The following programming is sponsored by Six Feet Over Under Productions. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and 97.5 HG2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend and talking about all the news of the world of sports. Jeff, I guess we weren't too bad last week. Only one disclaimer this week. Actually, we should have had two disclaimers this week. Because? Because the birth, birthday boy's on. Because we have Keith Pompey Yeah, on. and if we're going to talk about... How Keith Pompey spends time in Salt Lake City on his birthday. <laughs> we need a disclaimer. You need a disclaimer. <laughs> Keith, how you doing? I'm doing better than those Michigan Wolverines. Oh. Okay, so so Keith, look, we were gonna say happy birthday. You can forget that now. What we are gonna okay. do what we are gonna do I'm is I'm doing better than those records. I knew that's but, where uh, you were going next. Them, Thank you, them, Keith. Uh, Thank you, Keith. Them, what, the Knights or something like that. Uh, what, what's the nickname? The Scarlet Knights. Thank you. Yeah, Scarlet Knight. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. We can't all be Pitt Panthers, Keith. We, yeah. we can't all be so, that. So, Keith, since, you, since you're... This is true. <laughs> yeah, so, so, Mr. Pitt Panther, since you're now in, yeah. you've now left Salt Lake City and landed in Vegas, what we, mm-hmm. need, what we need you to do is your guy, Kenny Pickett, is now the favorite, the odds-on favorite to win NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Drop a couple bucks. And it's time for you to go over <laughs> there and, and, and drop 100 on that. And then when you're done with that, to show your Giants fandom, the Giants are plus 700 to win the NFC East. You and I will split it. Go ahead. Got it? Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably do the Giants thing before I do the Kenny Pickett thing. <laughs> you should have seen Jeff's surprise when there were actually odds for Kenny Pickett to win the Rookie of the Year when he was researching that one. It, it totally leaves out the odds of whether he actually gets the starting job. Well, absolutely. Well, it's irrelevant exactly. at this point. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. All right, Keith. Uh, fresh out of Salt Lake City into Vegas, what did you see in Utah with the Summer Sixers? You know, it's it's weird. Like the guy that I think everyone was paying paying the close attention to, or I was, was Trevling Queen, and then number two outside of that was um, Jaden Springer. And Queen, I mean, he showed certain flashes in the first game. Like, and initially, it just seemed like he was rushing his shot. He was doing a lot of other things. And and then uh, in the in the second half, you know, he stepped up, and I saw some of the things that. You know why he was the um, G League MVP. The second game he played the point, and I know he had assists, I know he had rebounds, but it just seemed like he's a rhythm guy. And when he's focused on getting other people involved, and he's not really the guy as, as far as scoring, it just seemed like you know his shot was off. Now he only took six shots. There were times where he was open and they didn't get him the ball, but at the same time, you know you can't go over. You know, and and you know, and if you're a 25 year old G League MVP playing in the Salt Lake City Summer League, so I wasn't, you know, I mean, I, I got mixed results with him, like mixed feelings. Now the thing about Jaden Springer, he was kind of sort of similar. Like you know, Jaden, the first game, it was like he was settling for the three. He's not a really good three point shooter. Actually, he shoots around 20 something percent. And then the second half, he started attacking the basket, and he and he was getting buckets. Well, he comes out the second game, he's attacking the basket. He was shooting three for four. He made three or four foul shots. He had nine points in the in the first in the first quarter, and then he he made a pair of foul shots in the in the second quarter. But he missed 
his final nine shot attempts, right? So it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, like you're supposed to show us something. And I like the kid, but I think that he has to be a little bit more aggressive because, you know, when he's not doing those things, you know, it's kind of like it takes him out of his game, so to speak. Like he's not a a three-point shooter. He has to do what he has to do. When you were talking about all those misses, were you talking about Jason Springer or Jaden Springer? Hey. Hey. Jaden Springer. Easy there, Tyler. All right, so we, oh, okay. <laughs> we asked you this last year around this time. Is Springer, should should Jason buy a Sixers jersey or a Delaware jersey at the beginning <laughs> of the season for Springer? Uh, you know what? I, I, I think, you, I, I think um, Keith, remember, the if they're spending all this money at the top, they got to have somebody sit on the bench regardless of whether he gets on the court, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, I think, like, for him... You know, I think it's going to be one that he may go down a little bit, right, a couple times. But I think for him, he has to learn. Like, he's a young kid. He has he's to only be 19, in that right? He's, he's exactly, one of- yeah. He doesn't turn 20 until, like, September 25th, I believe. But he has to be in that locker room. He has to look at, like, Hart and all these other guys. And he has to learn. Like, you know, it's sometimes you always hear of these young guys having a vet take them under their wing and work out with them, do all this other stuff. It's hard to do that when you're always down in Delaware. You know what I mean? You go from, like, at that point, it's kind of like being, you know how everywhere, every park they got one court that's like the varsity court, so to speak, where all the players play. And then they have, like, the B court where, you know, it's not really the good guys, but you're the man on the B court. and Well, he needs to be on that A court, so to speak, and learn from from these dudes for him to be, uh, you know, to, for him to, to grow, I think. So I see it. You may see him down there from time to time, but I think that it is in his best interest and the Sixers' best interest moving forward to have him learning from these vets. Yeah, well, I hate to tell you, I'm going to have to do the rest of the show with just me and you because Jason fell off of his <laughs> chair when you suggested that the young guys need to learn from James Harden. <laughs> Yeah, or, you know, but James isn't the only person, though, right? No, that's the one you cited. No, no, you're right, though. They need to to work learn from the veterans. It's just that the things that they can learn may not be what you want the young guys to be learning all the time out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I ain't talking about, you know, making it rain or nothing of that stuff, right? You know? Well, it doesn't doesn't rain in Vegas. I'm going to tell you their agents are, um, they're going to say, hey, you're not going to learn one thing. You're not going to learn how to leave $15 million on the table. That's what so that, so, yeah, so that leads to about 20 minutes ago, working hard, get off, get off a plane, and knocks out a story. Tell us what the latest is with James Harden and the Sixers. Well, you know, the, the Athletic reported that, um, that James Harden, I mean, we all knew that James was going to take less money, but instead of, like, taking $10 million less, he's actually taking $15 million less. And what that actually does is, in a way, it, it creates more cap space for them to be able to go out and get somebody else, right? So, yeah, it's, oh, and, and, and the thing is, James is, is committed financially to winning the championship. And he knows that, you know, like they're unable to unload Tobias Harris. He knows he makes so much money to whereas he can take less to help up bring, up, bring in more 
and then uh, you know, hopefully, in his well, he hopes that the Sixers can turn that into a championship. Now, the one thing is, is good too because the guys that they're getting, like PJ Tucker, you know, is a guy who played with them, you know, um, and and PJ is like a physical guy, a guy that gets in people's faces. You know, he's an intimidator. He can also knock down a three who could create the space. And, you know, right now, if you look at the 76ers roster, you know, they still have to make some upgrades. So the things that James doing helps from, a, um, you know, a, 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 just a roster-shaping standpoint. So who, do the, are, who are they targeting with some of that money? I mean, Jeff and I were looking at it. The tallest guy on their roster besides Joel Embiid to play backup center is Charles Bassey, and he's between 6'9 and 6'11, depending on where you look. I have a chance again. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, the thing about it, you know, it, we're looking at there There are certain guys. I, I can't really put my finger on centers who they're going to target, especially, like, with this new information. I mean, I basically think that, you know, we're talking about trades and stuff like that and getting things together. Now, maybe they can go out and get a, a free agent. But to me, I, I think we all talk about the backup center spot. But they also need some wings who can shoot the ball as well. You know what I mean? Or and then you got see the thing about with PJ those, ex- Tucker, those exist in you, basketball. You're allowed to do that, Keith. I mean, hey, <laughs> I, I think you, you you better right. You better get one. What about I mean, Ca- what like, about Cassius Winston? He it looks like he has not met a shot that he doesn't like. <laughs> Yeah, Keith, that just stopped yeah, you dead you, in your tracks. Yeah, <laughs> no, nah, nah, you're killing the Michigan State guy. Of course I am. It is, yeah. Keith, <laughs> what are the, what's around the league? Like, I don't understand, okay? So Kevin Durant says he wants out. And apparently the Nets asked for basically a key to Minnesota along with everything else in the trade. If they're asking for that from Minnesota, why do the Sixers keep getting mentioned when they really can't even trade a first-round pick? And I don't seem to see the have the assets that they were asking for from Minnesota. Why did the Sixers' name keep coming up in that? Well, I mean, why wouldn't their name come up in it? Because I mean, what do I they have to, to give? It, well, I don't think they have a lot to give at <laughs> all. But the thing is, you know, I hate to say this. Sometimes when we hear things, you know, other teams are linked into it. I, I think that just about every team in the NBA, maybe not the Spurs, maybe not the Spurs because they're committed to their rebuild right now. But just about every every team in the NBA, when a Kevin Durant comes up, a, p- a player of that magnitude, you have to consider it. You have to make make a couple phone calls. Now, you know, they know that they probably don't have it. Now, let's just say if the 76ers – to get a team lumped in in the three-team trade and then maybe send some draft picks over there. But to me, what's going on is um, I don't see – I hate to say this, but I don't see Carl Anthony Towns, and I, and I like Cat, a North Jersey guy, but I don't, I don't see Carl Anthony Towns and four draft picks uh, even swap for, for, um, for Kevin Durant, right? So a lot of times, you know, stuff comes out there. It's just basically letting you know what they want. Now, also, but what else were they asking for? Because it, it seems to me you might have to bring in, you may have to do more for that. So maybe Minnesota didn't want that. Maybe Minnesota knows, you know, that uh, Kevin Durant's agent is probably saying, look, bro, we ain't trying to go to Minnesota. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So you can make that trade all you want to. 
and and you'll have a a problem on your hands. But one thing I will say, you'll tend to hear like certain teams' names come up and stuff, like one the Sixers because of everybody knows that Daryl Morey really really wants to win, and Daryl Morey is always trying to make trades. At least he has in the past when he was at Houston. So I wouldn't really read too much into that. You know what I mean? Especially not right now. Because I think what's going to happen is it's going to have to take a quality player, and 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 Carl Anthony Towns is that you know All Star level player, but it's going to be multiple picks, and the Sixers would have to get a third team involved. And not only that, the Sixers have certain guys, and and I like Tobias, but he's one of those guys that you know people are looking at his contract. They're also looking at his production as a fourth option, whereas. You know, you got to find a team that's going to be willing enough to take on his salary and 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 him to to be able to bring Kevin Durant in. So it's not as easy as people think. When you're out at summer league, how much is going on as far as scouts looking around and looking to see what the Sixers and other teams actually have? Let's put it this way: when we were at, I don't know if y'all saw it, but when we were in in Salt Lake City. Um, the whole like lower um, like where, where they would typically have like floor seats, you know what I mean? The floor seats they had tables all the way around, and they were all NBA personnel from all the different teams, and they were just scouting, writing everything down. I mean, I, I th- and, and this is the same thing here. They're all here. They have a little section here where they all sit, they talk, and they just go from game to game, just scouting people. So they're all paying attention. And another thing is, there's a lot of times where the thing about um, the summer league and the thing about the all-star game and, and, uh, and you know, there's another, it, the summer league and all-star game basically is where you can get all these executives together. So instead of basically, um, and, and, and the other one is the uh, draft combine. So instead of like basically picking up a phone or what have you, it's like guys can actually meet and have these discussions, you know, so, so this, this is huge. And, and yeah, they're looking at the Sixers. They're looking at everything. I mean, you know, hey, the Golden State Warriors is out there scouting guys, you know, so they all, they're all looking just so when, when they go and, and they, a uh, possible, they could get into a possible trade, they can come back and say, okay, well, we know this about that guy. And the funny thing is they're not just asking people, about the person on the floor, they're asking about background, they're asking a lot of things. So these things right here, there's a lot of uh, scouting going on, so to speak. Oh, they actually ask background questions, unlike the Flyers. Um, <laughs> sorry. You may, you'll, you'll hear about that later. With regard to, to Paul Reed, everybody here thinks that Paul Reed, just because when he plays the way he plays in a summer league game and, and in the m- limited minutes that he plays during a game, that that he's got this massive potential. When you look at him, at least at what we've seen in the summer league and what we've seen before, do you see a player who can be a pivotal part of the rotation going forward? You know, I, I think he can develop into that. I do. I do now. But I'm not just basing that off of what he's doing in the summer league because he's supposed to do this in the summer league. I mean, the one thing that I will say that impressed me was how fluid he looks as a four. And it remind and it reminds you that oh okay this guy was a power forward when he came into the league and the Sixers turned him into um, you know into a center 
you know, I think the biggest thing with Paul Reed, though, is is the fouling. If you take away from that, if you take that out of the equation, you know, he had a pretty good playoff series. I mean, he was in there against uh, Miami. You know, he was grabbing rebounds. He was doing everything that he's supposed to do as a backup guy. You know, I think, you know, the thing that he needs to do more of is just get a better idea of what they want out of him, like being in the right spots, doing all these other things. But I can't really, you know, say that just because, you know, he did really good in summer league. And and the reason why I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to say this player, but my first year on the beat, I'm at the um, summer league, and there was a guy who was, you know, an undrafted guy who the team was really high on. They gave him, they gave him some money. You know, he had a training camp invite. He had all this other stuff, right? So, so summer league comes, and he was outperforming uh, Michael Carter Williams and all the other guys. And I'm like, man, this guy is going to be great. And then all of a sudden, preseason came, and then he kind of like took like a step back, and he started to struggle a little bit because it was a different caliber of player on in the preseason. And then, like, the level of play from the pre- – now, he got he didn't make the team, but the level of play from the preseason, like, elevated once the regular season went. So when you see these guys, a lot of times, you know, the Isaiah Joes, the, the Paul Reeves, the, uh, the, the Trevlin um, uh, um, uh, Queens, all those guys are supposed to play well. When they struggle is when you start to question stuff because you're saying to yourself, like, yo, this is like, you know, you're playing with G League competition or overseas quality of competition. You can't struggle against these dudes. I often enjoy the story within the story for you, whether it's a feature on a player or when you're covering a game, you have some comments that offer insight. Off the court with some of these guys, with Traveling Queen, you, you had in a story about him working on the, the tangentials to be a leader off the court, even when he's not succeeding on. With Julian Champagne, you had a story about him being doubted. It seems like he has a chip on his shoulder. Charles Bassey just seems to be happy to be playing on the court, and Jaden Springer seems to be looking for consistency. Is there any storyline off the court that you found that got you? Um... Well, the the one thing about Jaden, well, uh, was Queen. I mean, it was weird because when he first came there, I was talking to him, and I also and I did some research before I spoke to him, and I figured out. I mean, I figured out, but I, I I learned, and I asked him about it that this guy went to two different high schools, three different junior colleges. He he actually was at two different colleges because he shows up at Western Kentucky. He never plays a game there, and, like, you know, he's supposed to commit there, and then he decommitted, but he was already at the school, right? So it's like, to me, and then he was homeless because they got kicked out of their apartment at, at the one at the second junior college, so he was, like, living in a car. Like, he was literally living in a car, and then his family said, look, dude, you need to get out of there. You need to go somewhere else. So... You know what I mean? So to me, that was a pretty good story, you know, because it's like, wow, this guy, because, you know, he's 25 years old. You know, he just um, um, inked a, a two-year uh, partially guaranteed deal. The deal, if he makes all the money, is worth $3.5 million. 
but only 330000 is guaranteed for this season, which is, you know, I, I'll take that. But, but, but the thing is, is, is one of those things where, you know, you, you look at it and you say, wow, he's old. But then you look at all the things that he's been through and you're like, okay, well, let me give this guy some props for not giving up. Because I'm, we're talking two different high schools, three um, community colleges, junior colleges, and then, you know, two uh, colleges. And, and then, you know, he goes, in, he, he goes to the NBA. There's a lot of these guys that are on this team that won't be with the Sixers or won't be with Delaware when it starts the season. Do the guys bond together or do they realize this is just their showcase? Like, like for example, Tyler Bay is there. Is Tyler Bay somebody that will stick with the team in any capacity? Do, does he sit there and know that, I know I'm not going to be with the Sixers, I'm going to be somewhere else? I mean, it depends. I mean, I, I think... You know, it's one of those things. I think right about now, they all bind, so to speak. I mean, even if they don't, and I'm not saying this about Tyler, but even if they don't want to bond with people, they bond with people. You know what I mean? Because it's all an audition. You know, like you said, he could end up on the on the uh, 87ers. So, but I, so he's going to bond with people. But at the same time, I think what they're looking at it is is it's kind of like. This is giving them an opportunity to, like, basically showcase themselves, if not for the Sixers, for all the you know, the other 29 teams in the league, and also for some over overseas, um, uh, you know, teams. So, you know what I mean? I think, like, a guy like him, you know, that's, that's the focus. But if it's a guy like Julian Champagny, like a guy who's signing a two-way deal, I think is different. Yeah, he's out there like really bonding with guys, meeting guys, doing all this other stuff because right now he's a part of the family. You know, um, maybe like a, a Michael um, Michael Foster Jr. because he's a guy who they're going to sign to an Exhibit 10 contract. So whereas he'll have like a training camp deal, and if he gets waived, which you probably will, what they'll do is they'll give him a bonus for playing on their G League team. So those type of guys, yes, that's, they have a bond. But these other guys, like the Cassius Winstons and all this, is more like it's business. Like they're straight here trying to impress NBA scouts and the Sixers uh, coaches and then also um, trying to see if they can get, if they don't make it to the NBA, that they're going to get some opportunities to go overseas. All right. Last question before you take a shot at Michigan one more time. Um <laughs> We talk about the players in the summer league all the time. The coaching staffs, how important is this for the younger coaches and the less experienced coaches to get their opportunity to coach the teams in summer league? I mean, I think it's a good opportunity. You know, it, it, it really is. Um, you, know, it, it, you know, it was funny because I was talking to the guy, um, Tyler Lashbrook, and I was like, yeah, this is completely different, huh? And he was like, yeah, yeah, like, um, he's enjoying it, but it's different because, you know, he was a guy who, you know, he was a player development guy. He was working guys out, going over film with them, putting them in drills. And now all of a sudden he's on standing on the sidelines, drawing up plays and everything. And it, it, get, it creates a, a great opportunity. I mean, you think about this, um, you know, there, there's been people in the past who were summer league coaches. Like Lloyd Pierce was an assistant with the Sixers, right? But one year he was the summer league coach. And then next thing you know, 
he became the, the coach of the Atlanta Hawks. Now, again, his profile was higher than than Tyler's when he was with the Sixers um, because he was one of the – he was the defensive coach. But, yeah, this is huge, and especially, you know, here because people are going to – I mean, people are actually scouting you too. They're trying to say, oh, okay, let me see that play he drew up. Okay, let me see his use of timeouts. You know, so there's a lot of things that, you know, people are scouting right about now. Well, we know you're busy out there. We want to give you time to go hang out. Um, while you're checking the odds for all that stuff Jeff gave you before the start, maybe you can see how long the odds are for Michigan to win the national title this year. Uh, Keith, take your final shots before you go, man. Go Big Blue. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, we'll be we'll be watching you. All the stories on in the Philadelphia Inquirer, Pompeii and Sixers, and anywhere he can bash Michigan. Keith, good luck in Vegas. <laughs> All right, brother. All right, <laughs> take, take it easy, man. Happy birthday. All right, Jeff. So, how come you didn't sing to him? Because I want him to come back on the show. Oh. <laughs> I don't sing to anybody yeah, because I, I don't want to chase them away. Do you sing in your car? No. I listen to talk I radio. There's nothing to it. sing to. I don't believe it. What are you going to sing to? I'm listening I, to I've sports seen, talk I've seen radio. But when, I, when we leave here, we're driving down the road. I see you bopping Am I, am I going to sing to a caller complaining about like why a double herrera can't field in baseball? No, I don't sing to that. It's okay. So any thoughts on what Keith said and what, what James Harden what, what, what is doing? What would your walk-up music be? <laughs> oh, I have no idea. See, you have to actually get close to being successful to think about that. So I will say this because I've been frustrated by this interview for so many years do you remember i asked alec bohm what was his walk up what, what walk up music i don't remember the answer he and gave. he said i don't care yes he, he was just happy to get up to the plate he didn't care matt veerling always had a good answer he changed for, his yeah but he always I'm had bummed. a good answer for what he was going to do for his walk hey up. so Derek hall okay yeah let's get to the phillies so yeah. you were there last night you've been there twice when he's homered now yeah. He was one of the early guys that we interviewed when we were doing the show. You talked last week about how it's like watching your kids succeed and prosper. So I'd like to see him smack another homer yesterday to help contribute to the victory. Well, first of all, it was nice to see them win. But yeah, it's so great to see because we know him and we know the experience that he's had in the minor leagues and how hard he's worked for so long to get here and the obstacles that he's had. I mean, having Reese Hoskins as the guy who's your the first baseman in the major leagues you're going to the stadium every day in the minor leagues, working at your craft, knowing that the team that you're drafted by, the team that you're playing for every day, is not the team that you're likely going to be playing in the major leagues for. And then he ends like, up playing for you, them. You have to you have to continue to have your dream, but your dream has to evolve. And I don't know I don't know how they do that, but it's always impressed me that they can do that. And that Derek is taking this limited opportunity. This opportunity only comes because one of the best players in the sport got hurt. And it only comes because there's a DH in the National League this right. year. We, among other well, people... The, the only reason the not, Phillies are able to hit is because they have nine DHs on their team. But where would the Phillies be? Like, we had complained a lot about the DH. And the NL is different. And, right. You know, where would the Phillies be? <laughs> they have players that can't actually play in the field without the DH this season. But they season. are playing in the field. Well, are, are, could you have two worse corner outfielders than Kyle Schwarber and Dan Castellanos? Okay. As, Nick, as Nick, far as Nick speed. Castellanos. As because, far as speed. Because I screw Schwarber up can too. catch. Okay. The problem is it gets worse with your center fielder. <laughs> Only when he plays. So, but I have a question for you. Yeah. 
Why is Odubel Herrera even in the lineup? And we'll talk more about well, him at the end of the show. But but why is Matt Veerling? I get Mickey Moniak is struggling. He's his own thing. But why is Matt yes? Veerling, but he's fielding. But that's the thing. Wouldn't you want? Aren't you getting enough offense right now that you'd want? A defensive guy who can oh. just, I don't know, catch the ball. You know, all Adubel had to do was run to the wall, plant his feet, look up, and he would have caught it. Instead, he looked like he was taking a DUI test on the side of the road and failing. Well, well first of all, the fact is you can spend every week saying all Adubel needed to do because he doesn't do that. But it, you just take that example from two days ago, right? Odubel didn't do anything in the plate that was so great. All he had to do was do his job in the field. He didn't have to do anything spectacular. So if Mickey Moniak was in there, do you have any question that he would have caught that ball? No, I think he would have caught it. Then they win the game. Then they win that game. Yes. And so so it's addition by subtraction. Yes. Okay, so they are 44 and 39 despite this. They start a nine-game road trip against St. Louis. Toronto, which will be its own thing because COVID will return again uh, with players not being eligible to play. And then Miami, they've won eight of their last 10 series. Would that have happened if Joe Girardi was still the manager? No. Exactly. You, you saw such a spark. You know, I'm not a big change managers in the middle of the season. We talked about that over and over again. Who are they going to go to? What are they going to do? I, I guess it worked here. Yeah, and, and the weird thing is, is we've interviewed Joe Girardi. He's a good guy. It's not, but for some reason, the, he tuned out the players and the players seemed to suggest that they tuned him out. Or he tuned them out as well. So, yeah, I guess it needed to happen. It clearly did work, and the results are there. Look, June, Schwa- June Kyle Schwerber has gone into July. One of the greatest things that I've seen the Phillies do in a while is that when they tweeted back to the Washington Nationals, <laughs> when the Nationals said to Schwerber after it's not he June him, and they said it's June 35th. It was fantastic. And look, the Phillies are third in the National League in home runs, and Schwerber has 24.3% of them, Jeff. Almost one out of every four home runs hit by the Phillies, who have 107 of them, and, and has yet, been hit by Kyle Schwarber, and yet he still may not make the All-Star game. And yet there's no chance. It's, all, the all, it's not even the All-Star break, and they have no chance of winning their own division. No. None. The Mets are, Between the Mets and the Braves. Yeah, the Braves have been out of this world. The Mets have, have been in first place all season, and now they're getting back two of the best pitchers in the game. But the Phils are tied with St. Louis as they head the to play the Cardinals for the card. third wild card spot. Yes. Look, they'll take it. Look, we have a couple of minutes before we head the break, and then we have our Jack McLean interview. I did want to give you something. Mark Appel uh, had a lesson where he about recognizing moments yeah. after coming up. Did you happen to see his tweet? There's a lesson in there for all of us. Each moment's powerful. It could be your moment. You step on the mound for the first time in your MLB career. It could be a simple conversation with a friend, however big or small. It could be the moment that changes your life forever. Whatever moment you're in, be present and stay focused. Even if you struggle, do your best. Even if you fail, keep going. Even if you have to start over. Can you imagine what that guy's been through after nine years? The expectations that were placed on him, the failures that he's Again, that's what this is what makes sports great, is the story like that. This was a guy who was not just supposed to be a great player, he was the number one pick in the draft. And a dec- it took him a decade getting through injuries, struggling, persevering, giving up the game, coming back to the game, and finally pursuing and making his dream. Like, how many people get to do that? You just, you see athletes, and you see people in life sometimes that don't appreciate where they are. Uh, and because of the, they haven't experienced the struggle as much. They've, they've gotten there. 
either they earned it but didn't have to overcome as much. Like a traveling queen, when you hear that story from Keith, mm-hmm. he will appreciate that salary that he now has after living in his car and being homeless more than somebody Are who Are you suggesting hasn't. he will not make it rain? I, I would not think so. I would think that he's more cautious with his money as he's learning from James Harden, apparently, how to be a professional. And look, I, I if, hope- if that chair wasn't stable, you definitely would have fallen off. It was not the person I thought that Keith would say would be the veteran leading them on the team. And, 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 I, and I do have to tell you, you know, people like write to us during the show certain things. What did we say we, wrong? We, we have it. We have a disclaimer, so I can't actually say the word. But somebody did write about the the Flyers defenseman that we'll talk about later. That said, the new Flyers defenseman is a blank blank. So, so where we're gonna go with I that, won't say where, where we're gonna from. go with that conversation <laughs> is on point. Is what you're telling me, right? Ah, uh, yeah, it appears so. It's we'll deal with that yeah. when we come back. When we come back, we've got Jack McGlynn from the Union. We've Birthday got more boy, to talk Jack about. McGlynn. Stick with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. Jeff, you ready to talk some soccer? Go for it. All right. Great to have Union midfielder Jack McGlynn back on the show. Welcome back home to the Union, too. How did it feel to get back home and rejoin the team this week? Yeah, it was it was really good to be home because we were, we were gone for a long time in Honduras, so it was good to finally be back and see everybody. What was that experience like in Honduras? You, you just returned from the under-20 men's national team winning uh, the CONCACAF championship, 6-0 over Dominican Republic. You're over there with three fellow teammates. You guys kind of dominated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was a really cool experience, you know, getting to play some of like some of the CONCACAF countries. And when we played against Honduras, it was a really hostile environment. So those are the games that we live for and we love to play. And so it was a really cool experience. And to do that with three of my other teammates that were all best friends with, it was just really cool. What's it like to travel abroad and represent your country? It, it means everything because we're, we're not just representing ourselves. We're representing everyone back home. Like even the people that don't even like soccer, we're still, we're still playing for them. So it's a really special experience. How rowdy are the crowds over there? And, and the other game, besides the game against Honduras, there was really no one, but the game against Honduras, it was loud. That looked like a pretty crazy atmosphere for you. How, and look, I mean, we, we mentioned going through it with your teammates. How special is it to go through that and continue to have that success together with them? Yeah, it's 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 just a, a dream come true, really. Yeah, it was a it was a really hot environment. They were throwing bottles. They, they had lasers in our eyes. It was just really cool, and it was just special. We have a special group there. Coach, how do you how do you fix fixate on the on what you need to do when all of that stuff is going on around you? I think it's just just a mentality, you know. Right when the whistle blows, you forget about everything and just focus on what you need to do in the game and just showing yourself. When he was asked about the fo- the four players from the union, uh, your coach, Mikey Varis, said that they're team guys first. They adapt really, really well to different scenarios and do a great job. Without a doubt, all four of them were tremendously important. 
What was it like to get to play? You've come up with Coach Curtin to get to play in a different type of system, a uh, little bit different setup there. You played on the left side. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, it's 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 kind of similar in the way we, we want to defend there. So it was, it was easy to transition into there. And then attacking-wise, we play in a different formation. So it, it takes a little bit to adjust to. But once we, once we got it, it all clicked. What are the primary differences? If you're if you're somebody who's used to playing on the left versus being playing on the right, what are the primary differences of, other than the sides of the field? I think it's just like how you need a how you need to receive the ball, really, because I'm used to getting it on my left foot and just looking forward. So when I when I have the ability to drop back on the right, it's just you have the whole field kind of in front of you and you're able to pick out either side. It seems like it opened up some opportunities for you. You're, you're somebody we've talked about in the past growing up with your your dad and your brother in terms of reading players and practicing and knowing where players are to be able to make that pass. It seemed like you were re- really able to set some of your teammates up for chances separate from your own goals. Can you talk about what it means to you to be able to set somebody up to have that success besides having it yourself? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I'm not, I'm not going to be the guy that's scoring seven goals like Paxton because I'm playing deeper, you know, and there's... It's my job to connect the back line to the forward. So I just feel like I do a good job in that. So that's that's just what I'm there for, you know? Well, you're not just there for that. You did have yeah. two <laughs> goals in the tournament, and one of them was a rocket that, that generated some highlights. You ever watch the highlights of your goals or of the games? Uh, I've watched it a couple of times. It's come up across my phone, but I don't, I, I don't just sit there and watch it now. Any anybody ever say anything when when one of you guys has a goal like that that really does go big time? Do you guys give each other a hard time about it or anything? Yeah, we, we we're giving packs in a hard time right now with all this silverware. <laughs> we're calling him the golden boy now. <laughs> we gotta get do you, the do you have any do you do you guys have any internal bets amongst the your your union teammates as to who's gonna do what in any of these tournaments? Uh, not, not. I wouldn't say bets, but there, there's certainly expectations. Yeah. With with this win, you talk about the expectations. This team hadn't the the U.S. men's national team hadn't made the Olympics in a, over a decade. What did it mean for you guys to be able to be a part of the effort that saw you guys qualify again for the 2023 World Cup and for the 2024 Olympics? Yeah, it meant, it meant really everything because even though we're probably not going to be the guys that go there because it's for the older age group, you know, it just it meant a lot because our country couldn't get in for eight years. So to be the guys that did that, it was a really special, special moment for the team. All right. I'm going to take you back into the Wayback Machine. Last year in the playoffs, you look cool, drill a penalty kick against Nashville, and then you point to the ice in your veins. Planned? No, no, it, was, it wasn't even me that started. Ale was doing it at the halfway line, so I did it with him, and it just it became my thing now, I guess. And your teammates, do they give you a hard time about it? Yeah, whenever I say I miss a penalty in training, they all imitate me doing that now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> what, what's it like to embrace that moment, to, to be the guy that wants the ball on your foot in that opportunity? You know, we saw the stadium was rocking. You, you just cool as anything like jeff said no problem drill it what's that like to be that guy i just think it comes with confidence i'm a i'm a, I'm a really confident player i, I trust myself in those situations because i i practice it all the time so it's, i think it just comes with confidence and just stepping up you know so you talked about the guys giving a hard time in practice who is the best at taking pks on the team if it's not you hmm 
Um, it's okay to say you, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I'm up there. I'm definitely up there. Um, how Jack Elliott's pretty good at him. Uh, Daniel. I, yeah, I'd probably say Jack or Daniel. How much lobbying goes on as to who takes them? Uh, there's always debates, even in the games. I see it from like watching on the bench when we get one. Everyone's running to go get the ball to take it. Is there anybody who just automatically gets it? I think now it's it's Daniel. I think right now we'll we'll see what happens when we get one. I guess. So you come back, you know, we didn't get to mention you're the first MLS player to, to sign a deal with Rock Nation. And we, we don't often talk about that, but I, I found it interesting. I, I think you said you went there because you trusted your agent. Can you talk about the loyalty in terms of this? Because you're in a business and yet you're you're trusting somebody to make these decisions with you on your behalf. Yeah, I, my dad has known my agent for a, for a really long time, and he's a he's a friend of our family. So I, I trust him just to to help me no matter what, you know. I, I, and wherever he goes, I'll probably go with him. It is Rock Nation, though. Do you ask to sit in to to talk to any musicians? <laughs> not, not yet. I, I'm just I'm getting used to it. So we'll see what happens in the future. All right. If you get your chance, who is it that you want to meet? Probably Jay Z. He's the he's the he's the founder, I guess. That's, that's <laughs> not a that's not a bad chip to call in. Once you keep having the success, <laughs> you are. You know, we're on the music front with Rock Nation. What what do you listen to when you want to get up for a game? What's on the the playlist to to get you going? Oh, I listen to strictly rap. Yeah, a lot of people. Paxson just listens to country music. I can't I can't do that. That's not going to do it for you. <laughs> no, I need to get hype. So is is there a point at which? In the locker room, somebody gets to decide, and what's the decision making process? Yeah, the, whenever Paxson gets on the aux, I, the headphones go on for me. It's, <laughs> it's bad when he's playing. I, I need someone else on it. So you, you come back home. Uh, obviously, we'll air this on Friday. We're recording a day before because you're not going to be talking to us an hour before you're going out on the pitch. Uh, what is it exciting after all the travel you've had to get back to Chester, play at home in front of the fans and, and get back with your teammates and, and get back at it? Yeah, certainly. I can't I can't wait to get out there in front of the fans, just see everybody again. It's been a while and just get three points tomorrow. That's That's really the goal. All right. Well, the other thing is, is today is your birthday. What are you doing? Um, um, nothing at all. I don't think we got a game. I can't really do too much. Uh, I'll, I'll probably just hang out. I live with I live next to Nate and Matt Real, so I'll probably just get dinner or something. There's not much to do. We waited Coach. till the end because I was worried Jeff might sing and then you would stop the interview. So we just kind of <laughs> I didn't want that to dissuade you from talking to us today. But. <laughs> no, that, that that is your birthday present from us that we're not singing. Yes, we're not going to sing to you. Today, <laughs> That's but, right. But we we hope you have a great birthday and look forward to seeing you back out there on the pitch. Jeff, got anything before we let him go and have a have celebrate his day? Other, other than how how excited are you to start playing with the union again? I'm really excited. You know, just just trying to get back our form here and just get back in first place, you know, so I'm really excited to try to help the group do that. Yeah. They, they held everything up. You're still in first place. How exciting is it to see, you know, you've been through this process before now you've seen how the union has grown into what they've become and, and the expectations that they now have, does that add more pressure to you? Or is that something that all of a sudden now you're just excited. You can't wait to get to the playoffs to see if you can take that next step. 
Yeah, I, I think it just comes with just can't wait to get to the playoffs. You know, it's, it's we're expected to be there now. That's that, that's what the union is. So we just we're all preparing for that just to get there and then do what we do when we get there. Well, we look forward to continuing watching you out there. Glad to have you back. Congratulations on all the success you had. And I uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. You, you have a great day and enjoy your birthday. Thank you so much, guys. Good talking to you. Thank Take you care. so much. Jeff, what a fun experience. Can you imagine being 19 years old, traveling the world, winning titles? No, I know you can't, but I'll let you take it from there. I was going to say, <laughs> what were you doing when you were 19 years old? Oh, wait, I know what you were doing. I was. You were in New Brunswick, New Jersey at Rutgers. Yeah, I was almost dropping out of school <laughs> at that point. So I don't think my parents want me to talk w- about that. Weren't you celebrating air. by eating at food trucks in the middle of the night? Actually, around that point is when I was quitting gambling and, and <laughs> eating food trucks. So I really don't think my parents want me to talk about that. But the success he had... And Wait, so why did you just talk about it? Too late. We're on the air. It happens. Oh. You can't take it back once you say it. So it's the beauty and the disaster of being on the radio is that once you say it, it's just out there. If, so. if, if only we could use the dump button as like a dumb comment button. Well, you would dump me the whole show. So let's be no, real No, I thought you can that. only do it twice. Well, they can only do it twice right. if we say bad things, but you would just dump me altogether. Can we talk about the guests that we had who just made some history with this United States team? I don't know what it could be like to be 19 years old, kind of travel the world and represent your country. Right. And and he's so like cool and down to earth about it. You know, we ask him about... Well, except when he scores the winning goal. It, the, the ice in the veins. It was so funny to hear that they give him a hard time about that now when he misses penalty kicks and How much do you want and, to now go back to practices? Oh, I totally want to watch and see them like give each other a hard time. Well, see, that's it. And the sad part for you is you're going to root against a 19-year-old to miss a penalty kick just during practice so you can see whether the, his teammates give him a hard time. Pretty much. I thought you were going to take it in the direction of... But don't cause, worry. Because I'm going to be in goal at some well, point. So, so don't worry. The second you do that, I walk over to Coach Curtin and I say, did you see that? I'm pretty sure that's the and only that, reason you want the, him back on the show and, is to lock in when they will be able to take penalty shots on me. And you can put on your big goalie mitts. <laughs> I want to wear like a dog catcher uniform where, where like the, you I got padding all over and I got a mask. It won't go well, man. Bubble, you, we'll put you in bubble wrap. Okay, there have to be pictures of that just so that there's proof that it happened. Because I, oh, look, all I want to do is survive this. Don't worry, my friend. We have pictures. <laughs> we have pictures. <laughs> so we're going to head down after the show tonight. We don't, we don't even need to make sure that the cameras have film now. <laughs> now we just have them on phone and we will make sure that we get all of this for the world I, to see. I, I am concerned about what you and Coach Curtin are plotting for me. We're going to head down there tonight. We will not have them taking shots on me. It is Union Fireworks and Alumni Night. Game starts at 7.30 against D.C. United. The Union have lost just twice of their 18 games, the lowest total in MLS, but they got a lot of ties. The problem with soccer. It's ties. Okay, so... Do you want... So let me ask you a question. Do you want shootouts during the regular season? Sure, why not? I mean, you're there. But I'm not the soccer traditionalist, so again, like... I feel like I'm not the traditionalist in any sport. I'm, but I'm also not the new fan. I'm sort of in the middle, so I'm you're, not catered you're, to. You're by, kind of old, is what you're saying. I'm getting there, right? But I'm, so I'm not like a fan that's catered join my to, side of the hill. I'm not a fan that's catered to on any level. They're not preserving the game for what I believed it to be. They're not integrating things that I necessarily want. I'm just kind of the spectator in the middle watching. Yeah, but it how all about change. how about finding a way? I mean. Yes, I understand it's an international sport, 
but you have to incorporate some of what we're used to in this country. So you can mold it together and why can't you create it so that if you don't want to give an extra point every time, find a way that there is a that they get rewarded for a certain number of wins and penalty kills. It's just some way to make it so that everybody doesn't leave there with a tie every time. Well, then it becomes hockey, where you got like the overtime tie, the shootout, the, okay. the and and is I don't hockey think so that, bad. Well, I don't think that they want that. I enjoy the the hockey overtime, but again, I'm not the traditionalist that doesn't mind change. I'm okay with you changing the game. You know, there are things that I don't like that they make changes to. We'll see. It doesn't seem like that's a change that people want made. All right. There. But we also know that there has been a change today in the union. Yes. So Santos is now no longer part Ser- of the union. Sergio Santos heading to I'm FC okay Cincinnati. With Some fans are. Are you okay are. with it? Well, look, they weren't giving him playing time. And if he's not going to play, then are you using the spot? Your question to me before we were went on the air today is, are they going to bring in another player? Does it mean that one of the young guys gets his spot in time? What are they using that money for that they're selling him? Because, again, they also got rid of Jack DeVries right. to an Italian squad this this week. So, and what they get for him? Money. Okay. <laughs> Which in soccer Jack, matters. Well, yeah, but part of it is because I guarantee you Jack's going to have a really— See, he was very quiet when we asked him what he was going to be doing on his birthday— Maybe he's quiet because they're using all that money. They're pulling the money to have a party yep. for him. Mm-hmm. See, we figured it out. Mm-hmm. We can ask when we're down there tonight. What do you think? Uh, I'm not asking. I know. Th- That's not the question that I'm wasting my question on. What's your question? We'll see. Save it. I'm not going to tell we'll you. We'll talk about it on next week's yeah, show. Right. All right. Before we go, I wanted to, to ask you, did you watch the Flyers draft last night? Come on, really? I know you watch the, hockey drafts. The sad thing is the number of times you ask me questions like that, and you know that the answer is going to be no. Isn't that part of the fun, though? Just asking on yes, the radio and hearing you, you have the, You have this Cheshire... Cra- <laughs> I can't even can't say even it talk at this on point. The radio. That's why we do it on Fridays. That, you have this little smile on your face, or I'll call it a smirk, every time you ask me a question about anything that's like after 11 o'clock. Look, they, they took a, a center. We'll see what he turns out to be. Uh, he what, looks like, a, I mean, it seemed to me that there were four guys that were, again, for Philadelphia sports, there were four top guys. And they had the fifth pick. And they had the fifth pick. And the guy who was supposed to be the first pick that fell. Went fourth. Went fourth. Right. Because I had a friend texting me about, oh, the Flyers might get him. And he's a Devils fan, so and he doesn't really not care. So and then it didn't happen. Right. But then I, I woke up today and I wasn't paying attention and I got a text message from him Congratulations on acquiring great hum- humanitarian Tony D'Angelo. Now, I watch a lot of hockey. For, for those listening at home, sarcasm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell us why sarcasm. So he's mixed in terms of results. He's a, he's a quality, talented, talented player, but yes, as a but what's person. The, what's the name of our show? The Heart of Sports. Okay. Does he seem like, just based on background that you've told me about before the show started, that we'll be begging to have him on as a guest? No, I mean, in 2014, he was suspended twice in junior hockey for violating the league's homophobic, racist, and sexist language policies. He's had altercations with teammates. And, you know, Chuck Fletcher says, we did a lot of due diligence. He's paid his consequences. Seems like he's worked hard. He's matured. Look, I'm going to tell you, I did a quick Google search. Yeah. Every city that he's left, there's at least one or two posts that say, good riddance, glad he's gone. And wh- and how it went wrong, either in the locker room or on the ice or things that he did on social media or whatever it is that, that soured him on the organizations that he was with. But isn't that the struggle of, of rooting for team sports? 
regularly. Yeah, I mean, look. It, are, are we here for ethics and for morals or are we here for wins and losses or can you be but, here for both? Well, that's the problem. We're humans. So like, I mean, we can go back and talk about the Phillies and we sit there and uh, even, let's assume Odubel Herrera actually knew how to play baseball. Oh my okay, God. it's a huge assumption and it's completely incorrect. We're going to let, close the show on a double Herrera. Yeah, why not? <laughs> if you saw his line to the ball the other day. I did. It was terrible. It, it, was, it was horrible. And it doesn't get any better on replay, it, by the has way. There, has there been a week during the season that, that he's proven me wrong that he's the dumbest player in Major League no, Baseball? No, and I meant to send you yesterday. Somebody on Twitter had a thread of all of the bad outfield and defensive plays of oh. a dueler and they added in for good measure the swing at the play where it went through, <laughs> his, through legs. his legs yes and, and marcus hayes congratulations he had another great article this time you on and marcus Hayes with your I, love I, fest. I, I am become, we have pop pan at the beginning of the show you're giving marcus hayes love i am at the such end. a fan but, the but, just, but just let's get be ser- serious for one second is is Odubel herrera is one of those guys because of his background and because of the things that he supposedly did I can't root for him. I don't care if he hits the game-winning home run in the World Series. I'm not going to applaud. And and I know people can get over that, and I know people sit there and say it's what's on the front of the jersey and not on the back of the jersey. But when it comes to these kinds of things, there has to be a time that you take a stand and, and that you do have people because there are so – look, we, the people we interview – you know, how many times have we been t- asked the question of how do you find people to do, for, do the show with an interview because it seems like all athletes are bad. No, most of them are good. But you They're do tainted ha- by the people who take bad actions exactly. to get the attention. And, and you know every year I bring up this issue of don't sell jerseys of players that have these kinds of problems. At least start with that minimum that kids aren't wearing this stuff on the back of their shirts. Look, it's a hard line for where you decide on morals, but we're not going to go through the show and not mention it. And so I, I did, you know, I wanted to ask somebody, like, what is he like as a player? And I start Googling around, and it's like, okay, it seems like there's more to the story there. And for an organization that has battled apathy and fans leaving in droves and lack of interest, it just doesn't strike. Like, I get you want to win. Is that the move to bring them back in the building? He's a backup plan in case Ryan Ellis isn't ready recovering from surgery. Let's be honest. And what they did was they gave up three draft picks to get him and had to spend their press conference defending what they did. Do you know what I call that when I worked with candidates in politics? self inflicted when was the press conference earlier today okay and didn't they draft somebody in the first round yesterday yes so why do this today well because they traded the draft picks during the draft so i get it i don't think there was a press conference i think he commented after when he was asked by reporters because they were in a pool because they're doing the draft when when are they going to make him available so we can ask him these questions i don't know are they going to make him available? That's a good question. I bet you they don't. I would think that, look, reporters were on it today asking about it. And Fletcher, to his credit, must have known it was coming. You know, good staffing around him. Or wait, good- wait, wait. What do you mean must have known it was coming? If he didn't know it was coming, he should leave. Well, right. look, we. how many times have we seen in management and leadership people who act like they don't know it's coming or act like they don't know? They or, act like it. Well, they know it's coming. He didn't they- act like he didn't know. He took it on. He gave his answer. I don't see how what he said will measure up. We'll see. But it, he doesn't have the track record with any of the organizations he was with. Now, in fairness, Terrian's online saying that on Twitter that he coached with him in like a, a little league hockey thing and the guy was great. 
So who knows? Yes, but we've had Chris on, and Chris is all about second chances and third chances for, for other reasons. But that doesn't mean other people will give him a second and exactly. a third chance. So I would expect no, there's a reason that we have Chris on all the time is because, because that's the kind of guy he is. And it's great that Chris can give him the benefit of the doubt. That doesn't mean that that's who the Flyers should bring in for their team. This is a team that's rebuilding. This guy does not need to be part of that rebuild. I don't think that they look at themselves as rebuilding. What are they doing? Uh, They're not tearing it down. There's nothing to... You can't tear down a building that's already falling. I feel like they're trying to fix the airplane while it's flying. They're not grounding the airplane and rebuilding the plane before they take off. They're not doing that. So to say they're rebuilding, they're not doing that. I was going to name a bad airline and then I said, no, No, we better not do that. don't do that. We won't be able to get them as an advertiser, (laughs) Jeff. Come on, you're even headed to the airport next to take your son. How about People's Express? Can I say that? You can say that. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't even know what that is. Go for it. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I'm glad we could close the show on that. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.